Hello and welcome back to The Dive presented by Honda. Season 5, episode 15. We've had a nice little break here, but we've also had a nice little break for MSI. After two years, we're finally back. We're actually doing it this year. Let's go. Uh, MSI on 11.9. We've got a lot of stuff to hit on. All of the teams, new patch. We're jumping ahead, basically, uh, you know, different number of patches for different regions uh, considering na was a, a little bit further back but everybody is going to have big changes uh the meta is going to be uh shaken up quite a bit and uh, I i'm just excited to get back into some competitive league of legends yeah i mean i'm, I'm super stoked just to have a international tournament again everyone's going to be in person i mean you know we had worlds it was great uh and we're gonna see another one here but i think like you're saying with it having that gap in, in the middle with like perks still technically being, you know, the reigning MSI champion. It does feel a little weird, yep. but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Long time reigning MSI champion perks. <laughs> the longest. <laughs> Two years in a row, baby. Just insane. Insane quality right there. I mean, there. that means that means that the LCS is uh, the defending region, you know, because we got perks. He's the only one there. Oh, no, no. Another way that we can let people down that we the defending region. <laughs> we actually... NA won the MSI title in the offseason yep. when we bought perks. We, exactly. <laughs> that, that's when we won it. it came <laughs> uh, this actually reminded these uh, facetious jokes actually just reminded me of some news jokes? that is a little serious. bit. Yeah, okay. um, uh, it's a little bit older, but I really feel like we have to touch on it because there's been this, you know, a gap in uh, professional play. Esports certification. I need to have a disclaimer. Oh. We don't have one for the dive. Uh, this is a fully non-esports certified show that we have going on here. And I honestly, okay, everybody knows that it, it was ridiculous. Um, and uh, there were, were actually, I was actually surprised at how, how many supporters they actually had on, on this project. Um, but we can just rant about how stupid this actually is for a little bit here to let it out. I feel like it's going to be cathartic because it's so even looking at some of their their responses of people attacking the price, uh, you know, starting at that point and their response, you know, talking about, um, you know, uh, accounting certifications um, and how much those cost. The thing is, you can't. You don't use certifications for an entire industry. Esports is an entire entertainment industry. You use certifications for certifying actual skills that you use, like individual accounting skills you can test for do you know what assets are, cash flow, debts, you know, can you balance a cost balance sheet? Like if you're trying to have an esports certification, this is akin to people setting up like a treehouse and having a sign outside and a test that says, can you come play with us in our cool esports <laughs> you know, treehouse that we have here? It's just an absolutely ridiculous idea to try and slap on there. And the even the attempts at talking about, okay, we've had some bad actors and we have had some you know liars and cheats uh, in, in esports and we're doing this to keep them out. No, you're not. Are you kidding me? How if you're you're trying to keep out people that are literally doing illegal shit, lying and cheating and not paying people and breaking contracts, your stupid math test is not going to to keep them out. Like they're going to lie and cheat if they're already doing illegal stuff on your test as Kobe. well. It's just actually just so mind blowing no. that they got so many people on board with this. Uh, like. And Kobe. the questions, the questions that you have with it, like you need to certify for an actual individual job. Like, uh, are you actually going to tailor this to, uh, you know, being a video editor or something? Can you can you make a thumbnail with my face really big and insane in all caps 
uh, you know, titles and stuff like that. Like, I, I just don't understand how this, how, yeah, anyways. I, mean, I was going to say, actually, it would be great for, you know, jerks can't do math. It's a proven fact. So I think this would be really good for keeping the industry clean. <laughs> true, um, true. That's how we'll I, keep them out. We'll, we'll identify them with this test. But like, yeah, certifications, if you're certifying an actual skill, okay, that's what it's for. Yeah, that that's that's the part that really got me is that it's an esports certification as though esports is one job, right? Like the 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 arguments that I, that I had, like I I kind of tweeted about it. Just how did you get in here, Zale? How how you how did you get into esports, man? This is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, the legacy. I mean, I'm just like I got in easy. Uh, true, legacy. true. Exactly. Uh, I I mean I was I just kind of tweeted memeing it, right? And and um. You know, I got a few responses of people saying like, no, this is like really good. Like esports really needs this. You know, uh, maybe the test needs to be changed a bit, but like this is a great idea and people need to be able to prove that like they deserve to be in esports. And I'm like, esports is not one job. Like th think about all the different people that work on the LCS from camera crew to, you know, stats people to PAs to casters uh, to analysts to producers to writers to graphics folks to video editors uh, to, you know, sound engineers to like IT people. You know, it's it's so many different skills and the idea that there's one test that can can certify you. For everything or that like all of these skills are, are are interchangeable is just so ridiculous right like there's i i couldn't do 99 percent of, of these other people's jobs right does that mean that i shouldn't be esports certified like should you have to be able to be a, a caster to be an, an it person should you have to be able to be an engineer to be an artist like it doesn't make it just doesn't make any sense exactly. that, that's that's the part that really got me it was it's just so it was so clear to me that this was a cash grab at trying to gatekeep and and make it like a, a cool kids club or something like that like it because some of the very best people to your point that we have working in esports right now came out of being specialists in some field like they're mm -hmm. just some specialist in some field that is applicable to the entertainment industry which esports is it's like any other sport there's no certification for basketball are you certified to to be in the in the you know football uh, entertainment space oh, no kobe it's, that's basketball certified when you yeah, yeah, yeah. actually yeah 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 um, <laughs> but it's like we have we have people that are extremely good video editors or or actual yeah. accountants to the ex example that was even used or lawyers or whatever uh, and it's like you're trying to like meld that with an with an are you are you actually interested in gaming or something like mm -hmm. that it's like that if there was going to be like an esports certification or something it's like it's more akin to one of those like Harry Potter tests or something like that that's an online <laughs> like do you really care about Starting games hat. like what's your favorite type of like yeah exactly like I don't know. Anyways, I, I let's think you get, get esports sort of certified with Sporkle quizzes. Um, <laughs> you guys already pooped and burned this thing enough that I'm going to not join in, even as fun as that looked. Here's what I'll say. The people on like the kind of like, you know, our advisors wall of shame thing. Um, mm. <laughs> I don't think anyone, I would hope most of them had no clue what this product was going to end up being. Yeah. I've been a part of these kinds of things before where, you know, some person comes up to you and like here's this idea here's what we're thinking yada 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 and you throw some feedback at them uh early on in the process and they're like do you want to be like a little part of this maybe a little bit and you're like sure why not it sounds like a good cause you know and you, that's that's about the proximity you have to the project is like one or two meetings and then the saying like sure on this thing and then 
couple months later, something rolls out and you're like, whoa. So on that front, I can totally see how a lot of the people, hopefully, were not aware of the product pre-rollout. If they were and if they haven't like been like, now that I've seen what you guys made, I don't want to be a part of this, then, then that's a different story. Um, but I, I know a lot of people kind of get like, whoa, I'm, <laughs> this isn't what I thought we were building here. Yeah. And, I and mean, kind of... the, the thing that gets me is they were tweeting promoting it, though, right? So at yeah, that well, point, that's... it's already out. I mean, so, so then I don't it's, know isn't there a paid advertisement, right? That's what my assumption was. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if they if they were in favor for it, then obviously my my point does not hold at all. It's just for the people who I assumed, like, I didn't see tweet. And then, you know, you see their mm-hmm. name on that list. And you're like, dude, I, I, I think you're a great person. What are you doing on here? It might be one of those things where, where you, you, like you're saying, you get this email. Oh, you you want to get paid to be part of this project or whatever? Like, yeah, sure. You know, and like yeah. sign me up. And that, and then they get sent another email. All right, tweet this out at this time. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's part of the, you know, yeah. the, the deal or whatever. Uh, I will say that probably the worst part of it to me, because like, no, no damage was done with this, right? This is not, everyone just gets to, to laugh at it and mock it, right? No, no actual damage was done, except this is a, there is a real problem. Um, you know, with a lot of shady people uh, getting into esports, and especially we just had a lot of these issues with Academy and um, you know owners and uh, you know and the and the money backing a lot of uh, a couple of these amateur teams and stuff. Uh, there is a real problem, and they kind of like use this issue of like we have liars, cheats, and people doing illegal stuff, and we want to keep those out. Like that mm-hmm. is true, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but like this is. This is not the way to do that, okay? Um, anyways, let's move on to MSI stuff because it's actually hype here. We got uh, real competitive integrity going on in Iceland uh, for all these teams. So let's, uh, let's jump right into Honestly, we could start with the patch because the patch, to me, when I was thinking about how we're previewing this episode and all these teams... Um, there's going to be so many changes and a lot of the the assumptions and the research on on how teams got through, you know, regular season and even playoffs could very, very well be upset quite heavily because we are moving multiple patches ahead, um, you know, for for every region up to 11.9. And there are very big changes to uh, the jungle meta with Chemtank being nerfed. Uh, Hecarim got super nerfed. Deadman's also got nerfed. Um, so two of the items that lent a lot of that extra speed. Um, but there are some really, some really exciting new ones. I always like uh, the new possible champions uh, coming in. Like Rumble's been extremely popular. Everybody's been talking about Rumble in every single role, um, not just solo lanes and jungle. Uh, but I even, I even caught a couple of supports playing it in support role, uh, as well as a, as an AD carry dropping it. So it literally could be a five-way uh, flex pick. Plus, Kindred got some buffs, uh, and I know there are some specific Kindred players at MSI, like uh, you know Blabber. So I'm I'm definitely excited for a lot of the possibilities. Yeah, I think uh, just looking at the patch, it's going to be pretty different um, from where things left off, especially in North America, because this is three patches later, eleven point nine. Mm-hmm. We were finishing on eleven point six, and while you know it doesn't, it's not like they totally reworked the entire meta. I'd, is this the jungle change is going to be in this one or is it a later one? Well, are you talking about the when... jungle jungle changes that have been going around that were on PBE? They're, they're definitely yeah. not even close. Those okay, are going to be way yeah, after yeah. MSI sparking. Everyone's all the... been talking about it for like over a week yeah. with the jungle changes. So I'm like, when when is this no, coming no, no, out? No, no, but no. yeah, so th- there's no huge system changes like that that's going to like totally rework the entire game. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, a lot of individual champions have been 
buffed or nerfed or even just changed. Like Mundo from 11.8, they made his passive healing like twice as strong, just like kind of that, uh, from his his passive. But then they nuked his creep cleaver damage, which is what made him so good. And they nerfed his E steroid. And it's like, well, you just made his clear terrible now. To yeah. Well, I mean, so it's I basically think... Hecarim, because Hecarim, the, the two items plus Hecarim himself got nerfed on three different aspects of his kit. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so that's one of the biggest things, because Hecarim was, you know, main priority King. champion. Plus, yeah. they injected the Rumble, Diana, Morgana, uh, you know, Kindred possibilities. Mm -hmm. Lee Sin is going to be a super big flex pick because he's been so good in solo lanes. And junglers are playing him again because he's so good in the solo lanes. So it could, uh, you know, definitely be a flex pick there yeah. as well. The the things the things that are, are standing out most to me are are you know like there's not systemic changes and that's intentional right they're they're trying to do more incremental patches before and trying to do smaller and smaller corrections before big international tournaments and that's been something that they they've really tried to do and it's like that's why eleven nine was mostly just like ooh we overbuffed that bring it down ooh we you know we underbuffed that all right nudge it up eleven nine was mostly little changes um but it's it's the patches in between where LCS yeah. playoffs ended and where we start that really make the difference, right? You know, I think Morgana Jungle, that's something I think we're going to see for sure. You know, I've been seeing Canyon spam that in solo queue. I think Rumble's in there for sure. Um, you know, Shen buffs seem pretty strong with the HP scaling on his ultimate. It's like pretty powerful. I think that uh, is, is a fairly significant one. Um, those, as well as the Lee Sin, like you talked about, Kobe, I think those are all really big. The, the thing that I'm most interested uh, in out of those champions is going to be the Lee Sin. Because while it is really, really strong, it's like, as far as its laning patterns, right? People are doing Emacs and having this perma shove, you know, and putting a lot of points in, in like, in that. People just have constant shove, you have constant sustain, you can just like withstand the poke. You know, I've even seen like W Max and stuff in mid lane against some of these ranged poke mages, to just like out heal everything. But at the end of the day, you're still playing Lee Sin after, after the laning phase, right? And unless you're really good at Lee Sin, it is hard to get a lot out of this champion. I also think that similar to like Renekton mid and Aurelia mid, champions we just don't see a lot. You ha your, your composition changes completely when you're playing it. So like, I'm not sure we're going to see as much of it as, as I feel like people are talking about. It's getting spammed in solo queue because solo queue lane dominance and these people move around who are obviously incredible solo lane players and, and skirmish constantly. A lot of times competitive play is more passive and you know is more team fight based where like the execution is going to be really really high like unless you're an incredible lee sin player i'm still not sure it's going to be worth changing your whole you know composition type around uh to, to really be able to fit this in instead of just like a control mage mid i am i, I am for i am 100 percent on board i am i'm definitely sure of it i have had so much experience um with with uh solo lane lee sins in in my games and it it has not fall off with the with the gore drinker like crazy bruiser build it puts out so much damage i i am not it's not a similar feeling to me like the old um you know like jungle lee sin was always was always you would turn more towards tank unless you were like super fed and you were doing some crazy like lethality youtube video or whatever um but like these these bruiser build um you know even even later for team fights lee sin are incredibly impactful um even even towards because you're talking about solo queue towards like in challenger play um they, they're turning so many of these and some of the big opportunities that they're they're taking with these and um you know the execution on their dragon kicks and stuff like that uh i'm sold on it so uh I, i'm definitely fully on board i bought in but there's not just that as far as changes to solo lanes too silas is omega turbo uh powerful right now with all the the bus that he's been getting akali as well so 
I really do think, um, and as we get into some of the teams, we'll we'll touch on which which players or which teams we think are gonna be embrace these most heavily. But like stuff like stuff like people are like, okay, you know, Khan had like twenty games of sign in a row, you know, and Damwon's doing the tank top way slower than they used to be and stuff. Uh, I, I am definitely leaving the door open. I think they're gonna change their style, um, and and him especially. Uh, so I, I'm excited for a lot of the variety that's actually gonna come out in. Solo lanes as well as as well as jungle. Huh. I, I'm surprised. <clears throat> I didn't think top lane. Uh, you know, like I wouldn't have expected too much changes in in how things are going top lane. It didn't feel like you know the the strong picks that a lot of people were blinding and taking um, for a number of roles got changed up too much. You know, like the people who want to play carries, like you know the Jace is still going to be fine up there. Uh, you can still play the sign. You can still play a lot of that stuff. So. I, I don't know. I, I actually think, I wouldn't be surprised to see top lane be one of the the least changed roles. Akali is, um, is a good answer into into Nar as well. People have been using a lot of Akali. So is Silas. Uh, so I, it, it's it's these new injections um, that I that I really I hope do, you're right. I really do think as are, uh, as much as I want to see a number do. of you know Scion Ooh, and Kiana's and Nars I, and I really want to see Kiana mid uh, because I've been watching uh, Showmaker uh, and everybody's starting to play it a whole bunch. So I'm my fingers are crossed for for Kiana as well. I, I remain unconvinced by some by by some of those mid lane picks just because they're just styling everyone in solo queue, right? And these <laughs> like people people play stuff like that, you know, e- even when it's not meta at all, people will still play like their assassins mid lane and, and their roaming champions because they're fun, right? And and because if you're I'm ready to throw down bets, you can just dunk on everyone. Throw down bets. I don't know if we we can we could like determine. Uh, we'll, we'll come up with something, but I I, yeah. I think I think least in mid at the very least is not going to be good. Uh, I, I just, I just don't think it's going to be good. I, I could see it top lane. I think it fits in a more compositions top lane. Um, I just think it's, it's so easy for things to go wrong on Lee Sin mid, and and you're losing, you're losing your consistent source of AP damage. If people want to play Kali top alongside or something, maybe, but like it's, it's like you have to go AP jungle then, and I don't know, your composition gets pretty weird. Uh, AP, and, and there's so many the AP jungles mages, though. Like you have, yeah, but they're, the they're not like to work with now. I mean, you can go, you can go Lily, you can go Nidalee, yeah, you can go Rumble. There, there are picks, but I, I still think playing the game without a control mage is so different. And so many teams have played this entire year with it. I think they're going to default towards that. I wouldn't be shocked if we see some Lee Sin solo lane. I just mm-hmm. don't think, like, I, I just am hearing a lot of people be like, "Man, this is going to be like the pick. It's going to be, you know, first pick every game. You know, it's going to be dominating every." So I just don't see that. Um, yeah. I, I think it'll show up to- solo lanes. Um, I don't think it'll be like just crushing like it is in solo queue. I just think a different game uh we should before we head into um the msi teams touch on all the uh you know teams and individuals that are actually not going to be there uh we mentioned it last time uh, on our show but vcs isn't coming again i feel so bad i was really mm-hmm. excited to see uh vietnam play once again um so just you know another shout out to vietnam i really hope that we get to see um you know some Vietnam play, uh, international play really quickly here. Rainover, Tabe, and uh, PSG Unified. So PSG is actually running another sub. Uh, you know they had two subs last Worlds. Now only one sub. So maybe this mm-hmm. year Worlds they'll have no subs. They'll actually have full start at the beginning. No, no Uniboy this time either. He went over to the LPL in the off season. So yeah, no that's not a sub though. You know that was an uh, yeah. you know an intentional move by him, and then they got in Maple. So uh, so yeah. they're feeling pretty good. It's it sucks because uh, I believe the reasoning was that Unified is actually sick. He ha- he has some sort of yeah. um, 
I don't know. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he has some sort of illness, so he can't actually travel, which which is definitely a bummer for him to work, you know, all split long, get there. They absolutely crushed their region. You know, they lost one game the, the whole year long, including playoffs, and then you don't get to go. It's definitely a bummer, but uh, I think Doggo is pretty good from, from what I've seen, so I'm excited about that. And a couple coaches can't make it as well. I know Rainover can't make it. Tabe can't make it. I'm not sure if those are visa-related things or, or what exactly is going on there, um, but hopefully they can still contribute, you know, through like remote coaching uh, and be able to, to be, you know, fairly involved. So hopefully it won't be a detriment to the teams. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. I, I mean, if you've done remote coaching, it's just like so much harder to like command a room. Cause that, yeah. that is a, a real thing when you're coaching, if you have leadership, you know, like you kind of have this way of focusing people up, getting them to, you know, make sure they're, they're paying attention and, on remote, man, it's hard to be like, hey, are you all looking at your screens while I, you know, we we screen share and show this? Like, it's it's just a nightmare. Um, so, I, it's it definitely sucks for those teams. Um, but you know, hopefully they have other coaching staff that are are able to make it. I'm sure they they have other people who can help on site a little bit, but definitely a minor nerf. All right, uh, Group A, let's, let's get into it then. RNG, Unicorns of Love, uh, Penitent, GG. This is the team that is, uh, uh, or this is the group that is missing VCS. So they're only three now. Um, and it basically means, you know, since RNG is in there, it is uh, it's basically, uh, are Unicorns going to join RNG out? Or is Penitent going to join them out? Pentanet, Fight. by the way. <laughs> like Pentakill, Pentanet. Yeah, Pentanet. Pentanet. Yeah, penitent, penitent, penitent. gamers. <laughs> uh, you know, this should be interesting. It's it's uh, obviously the LCO team. So OPL went away. LCO LCO came in. Um, so they're going to be going. You know, in uh, against RNG. I mean, I, I want to kind of talk a bit about RNG first because I think you know they they're obviously the, the heavy favorite. They're the team yeah. uh, that a lot of people are looking at as as one of the favorites for the tournament. Um, and I'm excited to see RNG back and it's kind of like the new iteration of them, right? You know, they lost Uzi, obviously, you know, he retired and RNG kind of fell off a bit, uh, as a result. And this, this is kind of the new iteration of them, right? They, they've reformed, uh, you know, they've changed up their style a bit. They haven't just like tried to plug and play the same sort of style, like funnel all resources into, into Gala. So I, I think it's, it's, it's really interesting to watch them. And the LPL was like extremely competitive this year, you know, between, a lot of the top teams, it was like pretty hard to tell who was going to win uh, between like FPX and EDG and RNG and even like IG. Some of these teams were, were really, really um, strong throughout the split. Uh, you know, I've been most impressed by Ming, I would say. Like, I think Ming yeah. is just an absolute monster. Uh, he is so damn good. I think he's like the clear star of the team. Uh, has such a, a heavy effect, like both as far as the team fighting stage. He is constantly moving around the map and, and plugging gaps, especially in top lane where Xiaohu is actually swapped up to top lane, and I think his laning is actually quite poor. Um, you know, I know he's fairly well regarded in the LPL, but um, you know, from from all the games I've watched of him, and I've watched a lot, like I, I think his laning is actually quite bad. But their team play is very good, and he works really well with the jungler. Works really, really well with Ming, and they're able to create advantages in top lane just like purely through you know really good roam timings. You know, creating two v twos and three v threes up on the top side, and this is a team that's like really strong in team fighting. And it's less to me about like individual lane dominance and more about how they work together as a team. You know, they're a bit of a slower team. Um, so th they kind of buck the trend of, of what I think a lot of people are expecting from LPL, which is like insanely individually skilled laners, you know, con constantly fighting. 
this is more of like an LCK style team as I see them. Uh, and so, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they stack up against Don Juan, who I feel just has like the, the most mastery in that style, right? They, they crush the LCK. They play against so many teams that kind of play this RNG style. So I, I'm really interested to see, you know, that matchup. And, and obviously that's moving forward a lot, but like, I, I think they're strong and I think they're, they're a cool team because they're, they're pretty different from normal LPL ones. Yeah, I think everybody's coming into, uh, you know, any MSI looking at the LPL LCK matchup regardless mm -hmm. because they're two strongest <laughs> regions. Um, but yeah, having them both stack up with uh, with similar like regular season um, and playoff strengths, I think is really cool. It was also cool with, you know, speaking of regular season versus playoffs, the the shift that they did, because at the beginning, you know, Xiaohu literally just just roll swap like it, it's actually nutty from from mid to top, and it's. Of course, assumed that when you immediately do a roll swap, you're not going to have matchup knowledge for the new lane. And so your your lane phase is going to be the toughest part. And mm -hmm. they started out by having him just literally still play some mid lane champions up Syndra there. Syndra you know? and stuff, yeah. <laughs> 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 and, and then they're like, okay, uh, we need to get, instead of that, how about we just send up a bunch of people to you? And <laughs> we would have these games where they're like, all right, you know, Wei's up there, Crying's up there, uh, you know, Ming is up there. Uh, and, and, and that works. And they're like, oh my God. He's like, I would love that as a, you know, roll swap. You know, if you're auto filled top lane and everybody's just ganking your lane, you're like, top lane's so easy, bro. We just <laughs> smash him through top lane. I'm turbo fed. And like, they win a bunch of games, you know, like playing through him. Um, and then, like, once once you're through lane phase, you know, he's also still like a solo laner. So he's used to playing like mm -hmm. high leveled, powerful champions. So, you know, it worked there. And, I know the L the LPL casters uh, were talking a lot about specifically Nar when uh, when they're like he found Nar and they were like, ah yes God champion here for him and, and so many uh, you know good team fights for him as well later uh, and Nar was it also helped that Nar was just one of the best if not the best uh, you know top lane champion for a large mm -hmm. part uh, you know of the time but uh, you know I thought that was cool as far as like the transition where they did start to put more resources towards Gala in playoffs. And then and then Gala, like, holy shit. Because I, I went back to watch, or during the regular season, I would watch some uh, LPL games that were, like, two top teams, right? It would be, like, hmm. uh, you, know, you know, RNG if they were against, like, FPX or something like that. Uh, and I was like, okay, you know, I was, I like the, the, the younger and newer players on RNG. Like they're, they're all impressing me for, for, you know, younger players, but then Gala popping the hell off in playoffs and, you know, gets this pentakill as well. And, uh, and they had so many little plays where they're dodging out these, uh, you know, skill shots and stuff. And I was like, holy shit, like, um, maybe, maybe I need to go watch a couple more from regular season. You know, this, this, uh, you know, Uzi replacement, not looking too bad. Uh, but I know the LPL casters were also cautioning against like a lot of these plays were Kaisa based. Um, and so, you know, I know at least uh, like Munchables and a couple of them are a little bit cautious as far as uh, champion pool depth. If he can have, you know, similar like crazy strong performances on some of the other ones. Um, thankfully for for, you know, mo a lot of the AD carries, though, um, you know, Kaisa is still going to be a very powerful pick, even though we are going to have, uh, you know, some. Uh, possible emerging AD carries. Like I know uh, some people, because Lulu got buffed and Kogma uh, got buffed as well in the same patch, I saw a decent amount of combinations of Lulu Kog. And then you start to see Lulu used with other stuff as well. Um, so uh, I think there there's definitely going to be some possibilities for variation in that role. 
Yeah, you can always bring Jinx out too, who is starting to see some play later on in the season with some of the buffs. Um, RNG is really cool for that reason. I think you were talking about Zale about supporting Jauhu and like just starting to go up there more. Like if you can stabilize versus Nuggery when you're getting hard clapped in the like early laning phase, you know, like if you watch that finals, it's just amazing to watch how hard Nuggery was going for the first two games and like the fact that Mink could get up there crying and way we're going up there. Um, and like able to stabilize against that. I don't think there's really that many like lane dominant top laners going from the the top regions. Unless Khan's mm-hmm. really going to change his style up. I mean, Arma is is really good. I mean, we, we this is again looking a little bit too far forward, but like I, I actually am not that concerned about it because I don't think this is necessarily the, the the teams with the playstyles that would really challenge Jahu. And like you're saying. He's a much better league player than he is a top laner. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like you have such great league knowledge and how to play the map. You, you know, you understand your roles in the team and like how to play these things. Uh, it's just about you're getting there, and uh, I think he'll be able to get there against most of these teams. And the entire team is so well rounded. Ming, like you're saying, is just such a monster. Seeing him all over the map, um, even in, in laning, like they're, they're still pretty good. They outplayed LWX and Crit a bit in the finals uh, in two v twos as well. So, I mean, they. they I appreciate too that Jahu doesn't just default to like I'm the roll swap top laner on weak side guys. Give me the scion. Give me the weak side stuff. It's like blinding Jace in the finals. Like you're kind of setting yourself up to get solo killed. So I didn't really blame him that much against Nuggeries. Like go ahead. <laughs> I did. I, st- I still did. When you're like, oh yeah, it was you know, a little like, rough. Stabilized versus Nuggery. I was like, Nuggery was beating his ass. <laughs> I'm not saying he's stabilized. I'm saying the team came up there and they're like, yeah. you're four zero Nuggery. You're four four now. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, I think Xiaohu, like, his laning isn't great, but he plays really well with the team. Like, his coordination is good. His team fighting is good. You know, those are big pluses for him. Uh, he, definitely, he definitely got pounded in playoffs. Like, his average CSD of 15 in playoffs was negative 19.3 across 17 games. And a lot of that is just he played two series against Nuggery, and Nuggery absolutely gave him a beatdown in both those series, but it didn't really matter. Um, it, it's also going to be interesting to see, like, you know, are are they more of of the playoffs RNG? Or are they more of the regular season one? You know, you're talking about uh, Gala, and a lot of people who watch finals are, like really hyped on Gala. In the regular season, they didn't really play towards it much. It was more about you know putting Xiaohu ahead, right? And Gala's playing weak side, and he was often behind in the early game, and that kind of flipped on its head uh, coming into playoffs, where they did do more of a focus towards bot lane, more of getting Gala ahead, more of playing around him, and then it was like, all right, well, Xiaohu's a sinking ship, so let's like plug that hole later on. But um, I, I think that's that's a big question for a lot of these teams coming into MSI is with the patch changes, with multiple styles being shown, you know, what sort of version of their team are they going to bring to the table? Because uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. But like, I mean, I mean, I think RNG is pretty bulletproof in this group. You know, they're not a high variance team. And uh, I think they have like absolutely nothing to worry about. Yeah, uh, I actually it's funny because during the re- from the regular season, I was most uh, I gravitated most towards way. Uh, because yes, I have jungle bias, and I also mm. like uh, you know new new players. Um, but uh, but I was I was so excited for for him. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking <clears throat> at how RNG adjusts as far as MSI meta. Every player that I've talked to that's at MSI right now, like scrimming, is talking about how crazy MSI meta is. Um, so that's why I have I'm like willing to bet, and I have I'm. So much confidence on like uh, you know a lot of these picks that are coming out. I I also definitely realize that every time I I get scrim info from international events, you know like 
70% of it just never comes out on stage. And, you know, it, the yeah. meta is shifting so quickly that it keeps shifting uh, before before we actually play on stage. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, so I'm super, super excited for that. The other two teams in this group, though. <clears throat> okay, so we probably assume that they are going to lose most of their games, if not all of their games, to RNG. But the real battle is between Unicorns of Love and uh, Pentanin. Pent Penta, Penta net, two words. Net. Penta like the website. Net. Okay. <laughs> pertinent. Pertinent gamers. <laughs> pertinent. 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 Uh, I'm excited for, for you all to see No Man's. Um, I mean, I think No Man's was, was absolutely a, a monster uh, for UOL and the LCL this year. You know, he was pretty much like the best across the board in like all stats. Um, this guy was a monster in lane. He was a monster as, as far as his team fighting went. And like he, he is the clear star of the team, uh, you know he, he plays fairly aggressively, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of it is going to be about like can they actually get No Man's going? Are they going to be able to to have him in a in a position where he can really succeed and carry the games? And you know when they're going up against Pentadet, that that's a team that's like much less about about the early game. They're less lane dominant. They're more about you know their team fighting, more about you know kind of controlling the pace of the game later on. Um, so I, I think a, a lot of it is going to be like, can they actually withstand kind of the, the onslaught, uh, from UOL? You know, if, if URL are, are able to win the early game, put no man's way ahead, like that is a clear win condition for them. Um, whereas, you know, Pen Pentanet is, is much less about the early game. As I said, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. They have role swaps as well. Um, going on Pabu, who you, people maybe remember from the all-star 1v1. I think he got to the finals against Uzi, if I recall correctly. Maybe it was Caps. I can't He's even He's very remember. active on Twitter, too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a top laner who swapped to jungle. So that's a pretty atypical role swap. And, and he played all kinds of different stuff, um, you know, for them, which was actually pretty cool. He had something like 12, I want to say, 10 or 12 different, different, uh, jungle picks. Yeah, 12 jungle picks. Uh, of different champions across 23 games. So he was pretty much like, you know, playing like Dardock style uh, in the LCS, if you remember earlier on, just playing all kinds of different stuff. So uh, definitely a flexible player. Yeah, Pabu. Yeah, think... <laughs> Go ahead, Go Mark. Ahead. I'm still oh, choking. me. Yeah. You're still choking? Okay. I was, that's uh, why I, was... I waited uh, an extra long pause to see if you were going to go. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I think uh, it's really interesting to see because uh, I, I really like Unicorns of Love. Every time they show up uh, at an international event, and they've gone to quite a few uh, in a row now. I think it's three times in a row. Um, they always have pretty decent performances um, and are able to challenge even like some of the teams in coming from the major regions. Uh, I think you know you talked a lot about No Man's uh, as well as Ananasik is someone that everyone should be familiar with at this point. Um, he's a very flashy player. I, I understand what you're saying about No Man's probably being the most important player, but like, I don't know what it is. As soon as like the the big lights come on, suddenly an NSX like, give me the lease in. Let me let me pop off somewhere. Uh, and and he kind of starts um, you know drawing a lot of the attention. I think that makes them scary for um, Pentanet is is the fact that they have to deal with a pretty experienced mid jungle two v two. To your point about Pabu role mm -hmm. swapping, like. These guys have been to multiple international competitions. The majority of Unicorns of Love, I think, is the same. I think only their AD carry might be different. Um, I am so surprised you guys didn't stuff. start with this. Because I, I was really sad that they that they lost their AD carry. He was the yeah. most he was the most high part of this team for me. You know, playing like the the Oriana Flex pick and, and and stuff for bottom lane. And this was the biggest story for UL this year is that they they lost gadget and 
Gadget was not only like he wasn't this this cheese like oh I could play you know mages and stuff on bottom side and allow you know flex picks for for no man's. Uh, to me, he was also right up there with with No Man's as being one of the best players on the, just at League of Legends on the team. And so when they lost Gadget this year, um, that was that was such a big blow because they tried to replace him and they brought in um, a French bottom laner. And then they had issues with communication throughout the year. And so then just recently, right before playoffs, they brought back Lodic. And Lodic is someone if you're super old at League of Legends, you'll remember uh like uh, uh the rest of us when um you have like a uh, gambit representing and stuff um but Lodica is always a really like he was a pretty like um dependable ad carry uh i guess would be the the word that i would use and bringing him back in they did talk about that you know fixing some of their coordination and and you know it being an all russian team again definitely helps so they they used to communicate all in uh all in russian before adding the french bottom laner so that's that's got to smooth out some of those you know team coordination issues um but Lodic also had had taken a break right he, he's definitely one of the the more senior league of legends players and he had just taken a even him returning into uh competitive play it wasn't like a super long break but uh nonetheless i do think that this is a I, I would say power down unicorns of love from last year um that being said their group being only three teams um and going up against uh the oceanic uh you know team with oceanic uh us basically getting a lot of their players and it being um a lot of the guys that didn't you know make moves is is definitely a good setup for for uol um but i, I would definitely say the biggest thing for them is is losing gadget um for it, you know, the cool factor as well as him being such a such a good AD carry. Yeah, that, that was kind of what I was I was dancing around a little bit. I wasn't sure if I was gonna bring it up, but the whole like, okay, OPL obviously suffered a pretty big blow in terms of the dis, dissolving of the OPL. Um, but the Oceanic region kind of still has a, a scene going on. But a lot of the top players did come over, and even just with less money and structure that the OPL provided, even just like you know. It's, it's probably harder to improve and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm definitely concerned about them, considering they usually struggled of the kind of minor region, emerging region teams. Um, they do have some, like you said, recognizable players. Biopanther as well. I mean, we, we talked about Pabu, but Biopanther, I believe, made Worlds before. Maybe it was a MSI. Um, but he has some international experience, so they're not, they're not totally uh, um, inexperienced, to, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's it'll be really interesting. Like one of the things with Pabu is that he is is like a fairly farm heavy, um, you know, jungler. Like his his jungle proximity is very low, even within the LCO. And then you compare that to how much time Ananasic spends around No Man's, and it's like actually ridiculous. Like No Man's has twenty seven percent jungle proximity. The average before the LCL was was right around nineteen percent, right? So this is like so far and borderline above. funnel yeah like pretty pretty much i mean as far as statistically like he is almost like a comparison to how many resources uh rng put into uzi back in the day as far as like his damage share is, is 31.4 percent you know as far as as the percentage of gold that the team gives him and attention from the jungler that they give him like it is such an anomaly compared to the averages across the world so it'll be really interesting to see you know like 
if uh, teams are going to try to change up their play style to match that or if they want to try to go elsewhere and just try to, you know, like hold on in the mid lane. Um, you know, Pabu is definitely going to have, have a pretty big job of trying to protect his mid laner uh, against this duo because that is just such a clear defined style uh, that UOL used, you know, all year long. You know, maybe it is partially because of the departure of Gadget that you guys were talking about, but, you know, whether whether or not that's why, this is this is how they want to play. And this is how they play League of Legends. And it's go mid lane over and over again, get no men's ahead and try to have him carry the game. Yeah, I think that's how they should play. Um because like I said, like, you know, Lodic is a lot more uh I feel like a, a safety for a bit later. Um, you know, kind of scaling a bit for the for the rest of the game. And I will say, uh, for your mentioning Biopanther, that also has been probably the most consistent area, like top side of the map, where uh Pentinent did get like early leads and then they bring Biopanther to objectives uh later after, you know, they get like a little bit of a lead on top side. So um, you know, that could could be an avenue for them if um, if they're okay, like dealing with a lot of mid jungle pressure. And I will also say for Pabu, he's he is very farm in intensive, but he's really smart about how he goes about it. He puts a lot of thought into jungle pathing and uh, and he's always trying to come up with, uh, you know, the, the more fringe jungle picks to use. I think that's a really good trait for a big meta shift like going to MSI. Um, and I went back and I watched their, their finals as well. Um, it, it was really funny because, uh, as soon as I got to, I think game three, it was, um, I was like, oh shit, I got to check the date on this VOD. Um, cause I'm assuming you guys didn't go back and watch it, but it was literally the morning or technically the day before cloud nine finals. They did the scion, um, die to mm -hmm. their own blue quadrant and and invade red quadrant as well. Um, they didn't have Tristana; they had Jinx instead. Um, but I was like, "Let's go!" They're also going to be able. Like, I have faith in them being creative, uh, adapting MSI quick, and like coming up with uh, you know plans like this. That's why everyone um, was saying Cloud Nine copied them because Fudge, you know, no, was coming from the OPL yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. I don't think. Them um, and uh, again, is, this is not like a crazy, like unique, super secret strat. Like lots of teams had been using it, but I just thought it was funny that it was literally like they played it technically the day before, like that night before or whatever. So it's not like someone was up watching it or whatever. Um, but it was, uh, it was really funny to me to see that again because it was so, it was so well used in the in, in our Cloud Nine series. I thought it was also well used um by pentanet uh in their series you know so um yeah so i'm actually i'm actually probably more positive on this team um and their chances versus uol than, than i would assume like most default international rankings will come in with i think the the thing that's a little sucky for them is that they they're doing triple round robin for this group because of the eliminated or you know the not appearing uh vcs so that means they actually have to play them multiple more times versus like if you snuck out a win somehow that would have, a, I think, a larger impact on the standings. Um, and I think OPL has always been one of the reasons that's down with like cheesy stuff and like trying to sneak a win through some some use that I think the boys down there like to, you know, find the sneaky stuff. And unfortunately, in this time, if you if you get the win over your competitor who, you know, you're trying to outplace, uh, you have to play them two more times now. Versus maybe playing them once, then you, you break even, and who knows what else happened in the group. I think it's uh, it just makes it more harder, uh, more more harder. I mean, it's it's cold. I mean, I guess it's more difficult if you if you're just relying on cheese, right? But like, if you think you're the better team, I think it's advantageous. You always want to play more games. Well, yeah. So I, sure. I guess it just depends just, on your point of view. 
I don't think they're the better team. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to Group B here. Mark, you want to start us off uh, with Group B? We got Mad Lions, PSG Talon, Fast Pay Wildcats, as well as Pain Gaming. Yeah, I think this is actually probably the most interesting group uh, for who's going to get out. Um, I think, you know, obviously, NA fans, Group C, we're biased. Plus, it has two of the major region teams in it. But for me, Group B has the most kind of up in the air. Uh, Mad Lions coming in as, as the heavy favorites. Um, after a pretty crazy European split all around with like G2 finishing first in the regular season and then them and uh, Fnatic kind of getting knocked out in, in playoffs even before the finals. You have the whole new dynasty thing and, and Rogue and, and Mad Lions really went back and forth in that series to see who it was going to be. And so uh, Mad Lions earned that shot. They're a really exciting team uh, with a good mix of like new blood and, and some older veterans just to make sure it's, you know, not totally out of the, the you know, out of their comfort zone. They did builds last year, so a lot of the players already have that in their back pocket. So overall, uh, I think this group is really cool because one, you have Mad Lions kind of continuing this European, uh, technically, you know, we talked about G2 holding the, the MSI title belt, but I think it deserves more to the region. So like in a lot of ways, MSI belongs to Europe currently. And I think people want to see how Mad Lions are going to defend it. And then, like I said, I think actually who gets out second in this group is more up in the air than some of the other other groups for me. I have a lot of in PSG talent. Uh, they apparently have been doing extremely well in scrims at MSI. And uh, Azale mentioned it earlier, but they only lost again one game in the in the regular season. Um, yep, their third game of the season and then won 24 I, in a row. Because I have been doing uh, competitive League of Legends since the very beginning, I have a very soft spot for Maple. Like I feel like the super old, like super old esports geezers are just like so used to seeing Maple and Flash Wolves just at every international event, and always coming in would be like, "Hey, man, you gotta watch out for Maple and Carsa." You know the the dynamic yeah. duo here, uh, and and Maple always put up against the best mid laners in the world. I know that. You know, since transferring to the LPL, it was not such a sweet story. <laughs> and Maple, uh, you know, yes, the team was worse, but he also had his own individual fall off. Um, so I'm also, you know, colored by a bit of uh, nostalgia um, in their bias. But um, I know that he he definitely has been a very good League of Legends player for a very long time. Um and and going back to uh, you know the the PCS you know ha have a bit of a resurgence here. Uh, the LPL was not not going so great for him. So I'm I'm really excited to see how this team actually does perform in this group because I feel like this is this is like I mean just this has got to be the best group for them you know to have a, a shot to get out there um, without having like RNG or Dom one you know Titans mm -hmm. Titans in there as the leader. Um, just subjectively, you would say Mad Lions, uh, you know, uh, of those, you know, three seed one, basically, you would want mm -hmm. them to be be the ones at the top. And and if if all the you know stuff I'm hearing about how well they're doing over uh, anyone in Iceland right now uh, is true, I actually would expect them maybe to give Mad Lions a run for their money. It, it'll be really interesting. Like the, the tough thing for me, it was the same with LMS with Flash Wolves when it was when it was those days, and it's the same with the PCS. For all the games that I watch, it just feels like there's no competition. It just feels like you're waiting for them to win. You know, no matter what the other teams are doing, I don't think most of the teams in the PCS are at a high enough level to actually challenge, um, you know, PSG talent whatsoever. Uh, you know, and even when you're looking at like at the finals, there's some of these games. 
um, where you know <laughs> they should be in really heavily losing positions, but their opponents don't really know how to play it out whatsoever. So it's like you know PSG is clearly at a much higher level uh, than the rest of their league, but it becomes really difficult to then sometimes judge the strength of teams like that when they're they're really like a, a one horse race against the rest of the world where there is like a, a lot more competition. You know, these teams that they're gonna be playing in their group are gonna be much better than what the rest of their their league is, very likely. So if that's gonna be the interesting thing for me, I, I think Maple was really good this year. You know, you talked about the fall off in the LPL, but at least in the PCS, he was crushing it. Like to me, this this team is the Maple show. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of like contrasted a bit, a bit with Mad Lions, you know, who I agree. These are probably the two big favorites. Like Mad is very topside focused. It's not just exclusively, uh, you know, kind of like more about mid lane. Um, you know, it, it's been more about like Armud and, and some of like his unique counterpicks and his Wukong and stuff. Whereas like Hanabi is going to be left all on his lonesome. Like he pretty much never has jungle help. He's playing on an island. He is going to get attacked for sure. Uh, you know, by Alyoya, by Armut. You know, Mad Lions likes to play towards topside, likes to play towards Rift Herald. That's how they often create their advantages by taking towers, taking turret plates, you know, attacking that side of the map. So it'll be really interesting because, like, for Mad, th their weakness is for sure their bot lane. Like, I think their their bot lane is, is so weak. You know, like, statistically, they were bad. Eye test, they were bad. I mean, Karzi, as, as far as, like, you know, when you when you evaluate marksmen, most people say like high farm, high damage, low deaths. Like those are three of the things that people really look at. The low deaths being, you know, as a result of good positioning and team fighting, right? You want this person to have lots of gold, to position well, put out lots of damage. He had he was eleventh place as far as his deaths at fifteen. So he was behind uh, subs who had enough games in in the LEC. Like by far the worst. He averaged like a death pre fifteen in lane every game. Like that's his average. Is he, he died once once a game uh, on average across playoffs, across everything. And he got absolutely bot gapped by Han Summit. It felt like every single game in playoffs, you know. Um, you know, they had a, a lot of struggles. They're 10th as far as as far as gold difference at 10. Like they're 10th as far as CSD at 10. You know, th this is a bot lane that was like a gaping hole in the LEC. Um, you know, and, and they had a really good run in playoffs, but again, it was so much focused on that top side that does concern me when you go to international play and there's some of these really good bottom lanes. You know, how are how are they going to fare here? Um, because you know, it's not as though they were dominant during the regular season. They had a really good playoff run, but they were ten and eight in the regular season. Like it was very close. And even even the finals, they had to reverse sweep for the first time ever in in LEC history to actually win the finals. So. Um, I'm going to be really interested to see like how they can hold up almost more than what we know to be their strengths, which is the top side. Like I have a lot of faith in Elioya and Arma and, and Humanoid. I don't have a lot of faith in, in Karzi and Kaiser right now, especially Karzi. I'm not trying to save him from all of those, but do you know if at least the uh, the CSD ones are corrected for Senate games? Because they yes, they, they are. They are. They are, they are correct. Yeah, okay. Oh. Yeah, I was like, maybe I could bail him out a little bit. Um, it's excluding all his Senna games. He's he's negative yeah. uh, nine or eight point nine CSD at fifteen, which was tenth in the LEC. Yeah, I, I do. So think I guess he was that, above a sub. I do think that Kaiser um, does make a lot of um, good plays for them. From yeah, you know, when he's he good at roaming. Fighting. Yeah. So 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 at least you know I do have I do have definitely confidence in um, a decent amount of their team fighting. Um, I know they they did do a couple, um, you know different looks as far as the regular season to to playoffs on how they wanted to play but then uh, mostly deciding on on the five five i was actually for the matchup for these two teams i was most excited for the humanoid versus maple matchup because mm -hmm. i think humanoid you know and and in watching his really individual good. play he is 
he is really good um, mechanically. I think that is going to be a super exciting um, one where mid control is going to to open up a lot of these uh, these matchups for for these two teams. Um, so uh, you know that as well as keeping track of. Uh, I, I know that already uh, a lot of uh, the European fans are talking about how um, you know they they either it, there's a couple of different camps either they've already like set very low expectations because of you know last year from uh, from Mad Lions as well as them even having newer players now with bringing on uh, you know El Yoya uh, and and having uh, the kind of excuse of uh, <laughs> not as much international experience and, and bringing on the younger players. But I, I think that, I think that he will thrive in it. Uh, speaking of, at least El Yoya. Um, yeah. Because, you know, he, he is, he has been very adaptable. If you look at his jungle game, um, he had, he had his jungle game as well from um, earlier on um, before the meta was like super established to being more, more active, more gank heavy into more camp control into more counter jungling into more um hard farming as well so uh, i think this he's he's a very flexible player as well as being talented and i'm super excited um you know for for this group because i feel like this group is a group of opportunity yeah i think uh i understand why european fans are scared especially considering that even psg outranked uh rogue in their group last year during during worlds uh, they got third and uh, Rogue got got fourth, so there is some precedence for like, hey, PSG playing well can go toe to toe with some of the top European teams. Um, I think one of the things that Zay was talking about with like some of the struggles of the bot lane with Karzi and stuff is with the substitution. I think that does give them hopefully a little bit more breathing room. Uh, Doggo is is still obviously good, but it seems like he's less early game dominant than uh, Unified was, and part of that I think is Kai Wing's actually really good. Um, but I also think uh, Unified in general also just uh, was a little bit more lane dominant. So hopefully that gives them a little bit more breathing room. And, uh, you know, that frees them up. Because otherwise, I, I agree about the top side looking really good. I love Elioya. He's so, like, in your face. Uh, even with, you know, when he does go to more, like, far more into, like you said, he's still camp control more than it is. Like, I'm in my jungle farming. It's like, it's I'm your in rap your, your Raptors now, though. Not, not just his, you know. <laughs> I have a seventh camp. Yeah, kind of thing. So, uh I appreciate that a lot, and I have a lot of confidence in him. He doesn't seem like the kind of player who's going to back down and will be able to adapt his aggressive play style to whatever meta shows up. I love Armut. I love his pick. So I, I think that part is is the safest. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I, I have more confidence in, in Mad Lions than maybe some – I'm following the European fan opinion, uh, but I'm, I'm not too concerned. I think they get out of this group no matter what. I think they should still get first. Um but maybe PSG snipes that somehow. But I would still say even then, uh, I, I would be pretty confident that they get out. Yeah, I, I've been really impressed with Elio. Yeah. I mean, he, he had like yeah. the highest jungle proximity, you know, in the league in regular season. Uh, and, and he created gold leads for himself. Like he had the highest gold differential, but it's not through farming, right? It was through uh, actually like making ganks happen, uh, you know, being able to be really successful in plays with his team, uh, create opportunities, create leads. And, you know, just such a heavy focus towards topside. Rift Herald goal was a big part of that. Like they're always at the Rift Herald, you know, ready to fight. Uh, it's a team that plays heavily for objectives, a team that I think, you know, is really strong in, in how they want to play the game. It's a well-defined style. Um, the one thing I will say about about Doggo is Doggo is actually really fun to watch. Um, the the replacement ADC. So like, of course, it depends how they actually work together. When you're coming into a new team, you don't really know uh, how that's actually going to work out. I think it worked great for them in play-ins at Worlds last year uh, when they had subs. But Doggo mechanically, I think he's actually really good. 
and he's kind of crazy. Like uh, <laughs> watching him play Tristana, like he is just down to like jump in, like no matter what. He's got and, that Malphite and, alt. Yeah, like like deci- decision making was more where I was like, ah, you know, but like. Uh, as far as mechanics, as far as reactions, he was really good. Like every single time, he would be able to like flash Malphite alt. He would, you know, he was he was coordinating well with his team. They had some Tom Kench Tristana games in the finals where it was like Tom Kench would eat up out of the Gragas alt, and then he would flash a Malphite alt, and then he would stop watching another alt. And like he was consistently able to do this. So uh, I, I do think mechanically he's pretty impressive, and I think that's true. Actually, you know, like I, I've I felt like of a lot of the minor region teams, a lot of these teams have some really impressive mechanically uh, mechanical players. It's just more like the fundamentals of the game, decision making, like whether they're going to group or play side lanes, whether they're going to trade or fight. Like that's more with these teams struggle. And that's where I expect Mad Lions to have an advantage, right? You know, even if you're you're not sure if like PSG is better than Mad, one thing I am 100% sure of is that Mad has massively better competition. The LEC as a league is much stronger than the PCS, is much stronger than these other these other leagues. And as a result, you know, I, I do think Mad Lions will just be a better team. Their fundamentals should be better. They have better practice partners like that. That is the thing that really matters. Yes, the PCS team sometimes do get to practice with LPL teams and so on and so forth. Um, but at least from what I have heard, uh, they, that has been somewhat limited this year. If I'm wrong about that, maybe that changes a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I think Mad Lions are solid. I think that they're heavily favored in this group. I uh, I feel like PSG is getting a little underrated, but I've sectioned this group into kind of the two rivalries. For me, it's Mad Lions Talon rivalry. Do so you think they're and, favored? Huh? I I don't think they're then? favored, but I think well, they're we said they're really second. Underrated. How's that underrated? You guys said that, that Mad Lions are totally fine. You said they're heavily heavily uh favored. I th- yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I do not think that. I, I think PSG Town is, uh, is is extremely close with them. Um, I think the other uh, strong rivalry is Wildcats versus Pain Gaming. It's always you know Turkey versus Brazil, um, uh, you know fighting it out. And I think it's actually a a really a really hype matchup too because with this time the representative being Pain Gaming, we get P, uh, BRTT back. Um, and, and they put so much in towards uh, towards bottom lane and having him, uh, you know, be such a big uh, late game carry. And he's he has one of the biggest fan bases. He's always um, he's also very active on uh, on Twitter. Um, and he always when we had international events would have these interactions with Double Lift and uh, you know and uh, mm-hmm. and trash talking and stuff. Um, uh, so I'm always hyped to see him play because it does mean usually the teams with him on them are going to be a lot of resources towards bottom side of the map um and it also puts pressure on him because some of the games that they lost were due to him having all these this gold and stuff and having a misposition in a team fight if you if you lose brtt you're losing the team fight and you're probably going to lose the game um so it kind of it kind of builds up uh up to these moments um and it's cool that that he is going to go against um uh, Holy Phoenix, who's coming back, one of the, the super long time yeah. um, uh, names from TCL. Uh, so I think it's uh, it's just going to be a you know a fun matchup as far as bottom lane for sure. Even it's though for the boomers, <laughs> boomers rejoice. Exactly, like the, he's thirty, right, or, or in his thirties somewhere. So like he he's got to be one of the oldest pros. Yeah, he's he's definitely up there. Um, even though I don't want to discount like you know Tinones, um, definitely mm-hmm. uh, is going to have a big impact for mid lane, um, and and puts out good damage for the team. He he doesn't 
you know, soak resources from the team. So I feel like he's a, he's actually a very efficient mid laner. He actually has a very, very high uh, damage to gold ratio um, as far as mid laners go. So um, I really like how, how they've actually been able to, you know, utilize uh, BRTT and work around that and still have, um, you know, other, other big players for them. Um, Robo, topside, that's where it gets a bit shaky for me. Um, and, and I'm definitely worried. I feel like uh, a Starscreen and Wildcats, uh, you know, have uh, an opposite side trajectory rather than try and answer stuff on bottom side, just play through topside and actually try and, um, you know, do actually what I feel like is my favorite strategy. Just if agnostic of teams in the meta, just focusing topside early in order to get gold off of that, you know, getting ganks off, getting summoner spells off the top side, getting you rift tailed without having to commit your bottom side resources. If you can do that, like if you're able to get top side kills or big top side advantage, and then your jungler can just get rift tailed, it's, it's a really big objective. I think the, some of the problems with Rift Herald in, in the meta has been when teams just overcommit everything to it, um, mm -hmm. and and While they just overexpend. Yeah, like it's like you're paying to get in uh, to the Rift Herald's uh, party, and, and if the price is like uh, all five people, and you're losing minion waves and tower plates and stuff, then it's it's a little bit too rich. But um, that's why I think if teams in this tournament do have a, a pretty big weak spot on top side, that is going to be a big liability. I think that's also one of the reasons I, I feel pretty good about Mad Lions overall in the group is their top side should be the strongest in the group by pretty wide margin, I think. Um, the thing I was going to say that for why I, when I, when I initially said that this is one of the more interesting groups I, and like, I thought it was pretty close. Kobe, I think wide eyed me a little bit, but I think that they actually have some of the best teams in each of like the pools, which is what makes it so good. I mean, obviously, pool one with three major regions, you're going to have a good pick no matter what. I think as well, PSG is actually really good and, and should not be discounted. But then I think TCL and uh, the CIS are usually back and forth, depending on what team they're sending that year, about who is actually the, the better region. Um, you know, some of the 1907 Fenerbahce ones were, were better than some of the Gambit reps and different things like that over the years. Right now, it's probably Unicorns of Love, but I still think that uh, overall, it's a pretty good group out of uh, the TCL usually represents pretty well. And then mm -hmm. of the teams in Pool 4, I would pick Brazil as the strongest region. And Pain is a team that you almost always hear the it's like sad when pain didn't qualify to go to worlds. They're always like, man, I hate the reps we sent. It's not pain. Um, and so now that they're finally back and uh, in general, Brazil is, is decent. That I think it means that you have some of the strongest competition out of every, every pool, which even if, you know, PSG is better than pool three and pool four teams, this is at least the people who would be able to challenge them. So mm -hmm. overall, that's, that's why I think it's, it's the most interesting group for me. Uh, I mean, it'll, no shade be... at LATAM in Japan, but. I feel like I agree more with the TCL than the the C CV Lol part because uh, I, I think Pain Gaming is pretty weak. Um, uh, maybe I'll be Worse surprised. Worse than Dadam and in Pentafire. I just, I just, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think I think they're they're pretty weak. I mean, I, I th it, it'll be interesting. I mean, car uh, I'm not sure if it. I think it's karaoke or karaoke. Uh, I'm not sure if that's like if it's karaoke or karaoke. Um, but anyway, he 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 was like quite strong in 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 the CBL, but like from the games that I watched, his decision making is like super questionable. Uh, I think Robo is is a really big weakness, and I think that like there were so many just just like unprompted invades with no one around to support him, no vision that he's going for. And when you're able to get away with those kind of things and create big advantages, I think it, it sometimes snowballed games for their team that I don't expect him to be able to get away with at this level. So like, I, I'm very concerned for that. I think he's, you know, Robo's absolutely going to get blown out by Arma, maybe even by Hanbi as well. 
um, Wildcats, I, I, I feel like they could be the, the wild card in this group. They could actually uh, potentially upset some things. You know, if they steal some games from Mad Lions or PSG, like maybe they're getting out, right? Uh, and they are a team that plays that kind of like more traditional style when you think of the minor regions as far as like really, really aggressive. In the past, some of the TCL teams have been like these slower, more macro-based teams. Wildcats just want to fight you. They just want to fight you nonstop, and Fair like does for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they all do, man. Like they're they're bot lane, like in the finals. Uh, Holy Phoenix and Farfetch were making it look like one of those bot cap solo queue games, where like your tier two tower is like gone at fourteen minutes. Yeah. They're just like still pushing forward. They don't care about rotating. They're coming for your base. Um, you know, again, I think that there's a, a lot of pretty mis- strong mechanical players, like. Holy Phoenix's Senna in particular really did impress me. Um, you know, pretty incredible as far as lane dominance, even as team fighting. Again, it's the decision making that that is is my biggest concern for for a lot of these teams, like um, in, in this group. So it'll be interesting, but I, but I think that they could surprise some people. You know, if, if they're on their game, uh, they could potentially blow you out. All right, is it time for Group C? Let's do it. Y'all ready to jump into the deep end? Because that's oh what Cloud9 are doing. Right into Domwon's group. Woo! Here we go. <laughs> Have fun. First of the tournament, too. <laughs> Easy dub, right? You know, to start yeah. off with a win, set the tone from there. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I don't know if it's good that um, most of NA is going to be asleep for, for the first game. Or, <laughs> what are you talking or, about? We're all waking not. up for it. You can see. I said most it. of NA. We are definitely going to be a. Not all the fans are waking up for it, Kobe. We're going to tune in and okay, see the okay, upset. Okay. Now, let's go. Let's go. We need a spirit bomb energy, everybody at NA. Yeah. Take down Dom one first game of the tournament, and we'll just go undefeated from there. GG. Okay. What do you think, Mark? Well, we're living in fantasy land. I'm going to win a million dollars from the lottery that I didn't buy a ticket for. You should reach higher than a million dollars, I feel like, from lottery. That's not that Well, given that I didn't even buy a ticket, I don't know. That seemed reasonable. <laughs> fell into my lap now i think uh this group uh, for me feels a little bit more cut and dry um i think obviously starting with the best team probably in the whole tournament damwon gaming kia yeah uh they just crushed uh lck for the majority of it and uh it's a little different of a team than you know people might if you haven't watched since worlds you know like with khan coming in for nuggery it does bring a really different look to the team because uh before was kind of like the three winning lanes, everyone's dominant kind of thing. Got book ghost and barrel more on the supportive side, but with really, really strong solo laners. Um, Khan really played weak side for the majority of, of the, the year. I mean, a lot of tanks, a lot of, even when he played carries, you know, it's like more of a GP carry or NAR mm-hmm. kind of on an Island. Um, and it has given them a different look, but it doesn't look worse. It's just different. They they still are so, so good. And like Canyon has stepped up, I think, to become even better. Like he's just been like this steady improvement over the course of like the last two and a half years to now it's like, wait, dude, when, where's your peak? Stop it. When you're already the best and you keep improving, it's kind of scary for everyone else. So. Yeah, you're like, don't you have a ceiling, dude? Come I back. have a ceiling. Where are you going? <laughs> uh, it, it, I think Dom One's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they're easily a tournament favorite. Uh, my funniest uh, con stat is that he almost had as many Scion wins as the rest of the LCK combined. <laughs> he was he was fourteen and four on Scion, and the LCK uh, besides him, not counting him, was eighteen and twenty two. So almost as many Scion wins as the rest of the league combined. He he was kind of the Scion one trick. It's not that he can't play other carries. Of course, he has been known as more of a carry player in the past, uh, but it does seem to be the role that they have, have kind of 
um, gotten into. From talking to a lot of you know the LCK people, I will say that it feels like the talking to people in LCK, they're not as hot on Dom one as they have been in the past. You know, as a result, they don't think that they're just like as dominant as far as like mechanical gods in 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 every lane. Um, you know, I think largely that is because people are less excited about Khan than, than Nagri. But, you know, we, we've talked about top lane a couple different times. You know, Shahu, we talked about some of the, the other players. Well, obviously, we'll talk about Fudge and whatnot. Um, but in general, I honestly think this is one of the, the weakest, uh, like, groupings of top laners at an international tournament ever. So I just don't think it matters. Like, I don't think it matters if you're not, like, SSS tier, the Shy in World Championship form, Nogari in World Championship form, you're not Bin. I don't think it matters at all because when you look at the comp at the competition here, like they're good top laners. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say Khan is bad. He is a great top laner, but he's just not like that mechanical dominance, um, you know, that, that you're used to seeing from, from some of the others and that you're used to seeing from, from Nuggery last year. Um, but I, I don't think it's relevant because I don't think that there's anyone that's really going to like, you know, blow, blow him a game wide open against any of these guys, really, unless they're really flipping their play style on a Ted. Um, you know, for the most part, Dom One's strength is is just about how bulletproof they are. Like they never lose when they get ahead. They win like every game when they're ahead, even by a little bit. They make so few mistakes. They play such a macro focused, objective focused game. They're gonna show up for like every dragon. They're gonna team fight incredibly well. They're super well coordinated. They can play front to back. They can play dive. Uh, you know, I believe that Khan will, will bring more flexibility, but to me, that's their strength. It's less about like, oh my god, you're gonna get run over in lane. You know, Canyon's going to power farm. He's going to steal all your jungle camps. They're going to be up in gold and they're going to out team fight you. And if they're behind for some reason, they're going to be able to to stabilize the game and, and find a team fight in which they can come back. It's like they're just so bulletproof. Here's my hot take is that top lane will be big because in the land of the blind, the one eyed man is king Azale. If everybody <laughs> sucks ass and you're pretty good, then you're, you're going to be dominating here. And yes, Dom one. Uh, and I think that people overlook this about this team, them bringing in coma as a head coach does change as well. The outlook on the game. Coma is a, is such a long-standing uh, head coach that even as a head coach, he has a very strong opinion of like what strategy is is extremely strong for international success for League of Legends. Um, so bringing in Coma as well as making the switch to Khan, um, and yes, they put him on freaking Scion all day every day. But to the mechanics uh, point. I really like his mechanics on Scion, okay? I don't think he's lost, like, yeah, yeah he has not lost his mechanics. He, he's a great he player. actually did so many little things on Scion. Are like, um, you, you know, some little things that you, I only see when I'm, like, watching the boss streams or something um, from, from EUS. Uh, like, he, he actually, I think he is going to... I think he is going to be the the one-eyed man in the, you know, in this world of top lane at, at MSI. Um, and I really... I've been tracking his solo queue as well. He's been putting in his time on the the Akali, the the Silas, um, you know, stuff, the Fiora, yeah. all this stuff. So I I really um, feel like Damwon is going to be one of the big, um, you know, style changing teams at MSI. Uh, we're leaving the door open for you know all these patches changing and, and a lot of the teams adapting and stuff. Um, and I think that you are often in a position when you come in as defending world champions. 
to dictate a lot of the shifts in the meta and the shifts in the scrim because everybody knows when they're scheduling their scrims versus you this is these are the world champions you know th these are the kings and so then they take in um and, and it kind of you kind of lead the way as the as the big fish basically and i think that's going to be a huge benefit to dom one um I'm, I was on the fence about as far as Cloud9 being in Don Juan's group because it actually does benefit um, us as long as we get out of the group to then not have to play them later. But it also then means that we probably don't have scrims with them in all this time leading up to um, uh, the group stage. So we're going to miss out on some of that competition and it's going to be like trickled down to see know how how well we actually pick up with the uh, with the meta changes and stuff but as far as down overall yes they were they were more boring to watch i think this year <laughs> um as far as like you know better or worse or whatever i think i still think um you know they deserve their their top ranking coming into the tournament um, but i don't i i do expect uh you know stylistic changes coming from them especially since you know it was a very defining part of of their dominance how how slow and controlled they were and how um you know they had con on so many defensive top lane picks for them um that doesn't mean that it's going to be like fully the other way right because Taman, it was so crazy like if you're watching any of these games and since we watch them all in rapid fire you know we're doing vod reviews and watching them week after week after week or whatever and we're like skipping ahead in time um uh, and we also already know the outcomes, but it's like every time you're watching a game and I, there were multiple games where you're like, you know, Damwon is down uh, early and you're, I'm just, you're just never concerned, right? You just, it's like, okay. Game two of the finals was like, what the hell? You won that game? Yeah. That was nuts. Uh, but um, yeah, so uh, they they definitely still have, have all those strengths, but um, I really think, I really think there's going to be some different looks that they at least show in, in group stages. Because the other thing about Coma is um you know when he's when he was piloting skt you know skt would um would would try a lot of you know different stuff uh in the group stages uh at msis at worlds and stuff like that um and then they would really clamp down as the tournament went on and, and that's when the vice grip would would kind of close down and then, you know not let not let any uh any little sparks of hope grow for anyone else? What, what you're saying is, Khan, enjoy your co top carry picks through the group stages and the round robins. Once playoff, you know, <laughs> stage, you're back on that Scion, baby. Be, um, be ready for team fights. That's our chance for the upset in group stages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you hope they give him the Fiora and he kind of trolls it a little bit. Um, on the like the Valley of the Blind, one-eyed man thing that we're saying, I do think it's it's also a symptom of like playstyles compared to just like raw skill. Um, like the most aggressive champ pool of the major regions, even including like Hanabi, everyone in pool one and pool two, the most aggressive is actually Xiaohu with like Lucians and Jaces and some of the more like ranged matchups. Armit is obviously a very uh, aggressive player, but he's actually more of like a bruiser, Wukong, Renekton, Aatrox. Obviously, we already talked about um, Khan. And then I would say Fudge fits into a very similar mold as Khan, where he's mostly weak side they can play strong side into him when they see the right draft for it um you know he coordinates well with his jungler like blabber does get up there um but for the most part like fudge is not the, the key part of the game plan um and i think that is why it just feels like a less interesting or less dominant top lane because to your point no one's like hard counter picking you and being like skill match up me bro like there's just not those top laners um right now which i guess just to cloud nine a little bit of in, in fudge yeah, go for it. I, I think 
Cloud9, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they're going to be totally fine in this group. I think, you know, we talked about how difficult Don one is. If if we get 0-2 to, you know, whatever, we'll live with it. But I think uh, outside of that, they're a really, really stable team. Any concerns I had about Fudge have basically been stomped out um, by how good he looked in playoffs going up against Someday and Alfari. And I don't think that, you know, even the, the other teams that he, that could potentially knock us down as C9 fans would are better than those those players. So for the most part, I feel very confident in this group. Uh, you know, Perks gives a lot of that confidence off. He's an absolute monster in playoffs and high pressure situations at international competition, um, as well as even you know Sven and Vulcan and, and everyone. Like they have so much experience, and I think the biggest like question mark to me, funnily enough, is like Blabber because he can be such an aggressive player that sometimes he kind of blows up. Uh, but I, we haven't seen much of that this year um, compared to like maybe the fall off in summer last year and stuff. So I feel really confident with C9 and the, the my biggest concern is like Rainover <laughs> not being there, uh, at least the early portions of the tournament. That's my biggest concern. I don't know. Am I, am I drinking the NA Kool-Aid? Have I? No, have I... no I, I agree. I mean, I, I think C9 is, is heavily favored to get a group. Um, you in know, the number that, two that, spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Don Juan's Don Juan is heavily favored to win the tournament, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of joking about upsets and stuff. I think it's possible. I think that, like, as as much as I was memeing when I said it earlier, um, you know, to your point, Kobe. Usually, if there is a, a time to upset the Korean teams, it's in groups. You know, it, it, when they are playing a, a little less buttoned up, maybe they're experimenting with some different things on stage. They're trying to find out exactly what they think is is the best way to play it. They want to, you know, try some things um, because they're generally pretty confident they're going to make it out of groups anyway, right? So they're sometimes willing to be like, all right, let's see how how split push works. So let's see how you know some of these different counters work uh, and try something a little bit different. There is a possibility um, that with Cloud Nine being willing to be a really really aggressive team, you know, maybe you can get some sort of an advantage through that. Of course, Showmaker is is you know probably the best mid in the tournament. So like that's going to be hard for Perks to really create advantage. Um, but if you if you are looking for a potential upset, you're looking for you know some of the crazy action um, from Blabber and from Perks and them you know getting an advantage and moving around the map and, and trying to do that. Of course, is it likely that they'll create those advantages? No, I don't think it is against Don But I think against against a lot of these other teams, like just the straight up skill matchups are so heavily favored. Uh, towards Cloud9, I think both against, uh, you know, Gillette Infinity as well as DFM. Um, you know, DFM, I think, they were obviously strong in the LJL. Um, but, like, to, to be honest, again, like, I, ju I just think that individually they, they are fairly outclassed. And I think that decision-making was really where they struggled. In all the DFM games that I watched, like, it's it's another one of these teams where mechanically I'm like, oh, Evie, you're pretty good. And, like, Arya, wow, like, this guy can actually really farm... Uh, you know, he can create his own own advantages. Um, but then I look about like at some of the fights that they're taking, you know, maybe they draft for one, three, one, and they're like having side lane advantages and they just like hard group and force it and are trying to take fights. You know, there there's uh, games where, uh, for example, there's one game where, you know, Evie has like four or five kills on NAR. They have a rise mid, they have Nocturne jungle, and they're just like hard forcing mid lane over and over and over with Nocturne ults onto a victor who every time he gets Nocturne ult just drops his gravity field on, his, on himself and walks away. 
And it's like, you could literally just one, three, one, you have two winning side lanes. Nocturne just hovers either one of these and it's a guaranteed win through side lane. And instead they're just force grouping and hard engaging into a team that had a better five V five and, and, you know, and, and putting themselves in bad spots. And like, that is, is where I feel like cloud nine and obviously Dom one, uh, Dom one has an advantage over everyone, but that's where I feel like cloud nine has an advantage over some of these teams is just the way that they're playing out the game doesn't often match up with the way that they're drafting the game. And I don't think that they have individual skill advantages either. I mean, cloud nine has an incredibly strong bot lane, incredibly strong jungler, incredibly strong mid laner. A lot of these guys have a lot of international experience at this point. Fudge is the question mark. But as long as Fudge is playing at the Fudge playoffs level and not the Fudge lock-in tournament level, I don't think he's going to get abused by anyone except maybe Khan, right? So I, I am not concerned at all for Cloud9 in this group. You know, as much as people like to, to meme NA teams, we've never gotten knocked out of, of play-ins. Um, you know, our, our teams at MSI don't generally, you know, struggle um, against some of the, the lower-ranked teams. So, like, I, I feel really confident here to, to get out of the group. So I have some background for you on the LJL team, uh, because yep. this this year was a, a really interesting year for their roster changes um, because they found uh, Aria and they wanted to bring in Aria so badly um, because he's always at the top of Korean solo queue, um, really, really just individually talented mid laner. Um, they had to sub out Gang. And if you remember, Gang was Gang was basically the best support in the LJL, and so they're like, Arya's so good, we have to because we we uh, we want to uh, replace Saros. Uh, remember Heimerdinger boy, um, yep. <laughs> master of the team, who's been he's been on Detonation Focus Me basically since the very beginning. Saros is the guy that always you know came to international events, and we're always like, all right, Heimerdinger, let's get it. Um, but so they so they sub him out for uh, Aria to to bring in this you know superstar uh, you know mid laner for for the LJL, but um, they had to sung sub out Gang because it's one I believe at the end of this year it's either the, it's either the next split or the or or another year for Steel um, their jungler who is also a Korean import to get residency in Japan, and so they're just they're waiting this extra like awkward time where they don't have. Uh, they're basically best support in the league, plus Aria, plus Steel, um, to get residency for him. So that's why I'm like, all right, LJL this year for sure. Like, um, I, I think you know, I think it could be rough, but I, in their games, I'm definitely excited to see you know Aria actually versus the, these other mid laners. You're talking about this is literally a dream group for for practicing and testing, like going up against Showmaker, going up against Perks. You you can't buy that type of international experience. So uh, I'm super excited to see him, you know, test his metal against against those uh, you know super strong mid laners. But um, I'm kind I, I'm kind of in the same boat as as you guys though, uh, as far as like you know waitings for um, you know favorings coming into this. Yeah, I think uh, the fact that Kazu was a coach for a little while and had to like come back to playing uh, to to handle yeah, this like, kind of role swap thing that you're talking about. Part time job here, just <laughs> waited out till Steel gets his residency. Yeah, someone's someone's on leave. I'm just I'm just filling in. You know, don't no one yell at me. I'm just here doing my job. Uh, and and I think LJL is one of these regions where it has a ton of support from uh, our you know America and some of the European fans and stuff because we're all weebs in in the gaming. You know, <laughs> and so I think they they are easily one of the the favorite underdog teams that a lot of us latch onto. Yeah. Um, We've and got the power they have an anime. Yeah, yeah, power of God and anime on their side. <laughs> and uh it doesn't actually help that much. <laughs> they 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 have had some upsets in more recent years um cuz they they've been attending international competition for quite a few years. Uh, 
And for a while, it was just disappointing. Then they started getting some upsets. I think they upset C9 way back in 2018 in like the, the play-in groups uh, before they, they ended up losing in the best of fives. I, I forget exactly all their like little moments, but they haven't actually translated that yet to like a big performance on, on the main stage, I believe. So mm-hmm. um, I could be wrong about that, but I think like in terms of the, the emerging wildcard minor regions, they, they've been struggling to break through. And that's, that's still going to be the case, at least for this tournament for me. Um, yeah. The, the Latam team, uh, you know, Gillette Infinity Esports, they have some players who have made some noise before, uh, like White Lotus, Bug Axe has been around. Um, you know, like I, I can see a world where they, they actually do, like if C9 has a bad game, they, I think they could uh, pick up the dub. But I, I just think it's, it's going to require a really big mistake on C9, whether that's draft or like a horrible level one or, or something like that to, to, to give them the opportunity to even win that game. Because I, I think they're, they're largely outclassed. Yeah. Uh, one one just like funny aside was one of the games I was watching uh, from Aria. He was playing Seraphine mid, and Seraphine is like, I think it's one of those champions that generally people struggle to have perfect farm on, just because of the nature of like a lot of the AOE abilities and the passive sometimes. You know, and the matchup splash on the Q and yeah. stuff, and the matchups can be tough. Um, so traditionally, you're kind of used to it falling behind. And I'm watching this game, and at, like 20 minutes, the guy has like 13 CS per minute or something, and I'm like, how? I'm like, oh, well, he must have been stealing all the raptors and farming both raptors and stuff. I go back. He like, hasn't taken any. He just had literally perfect farm for like 20 minutes, like hasn't missed a creep. And then so I go and I start looking at, at some of his, his stats on Seraphine. And they're just insane. Like at, at 15, he averages plus 22.7 CS on, on Seraphine. Seraphine's lane dominant. And he has a 51 KDA on it. <laughs> I'm like... Okay, like okay, you're pretty good as champions. So, uh, it, it was definitely, definitely a. It's only three games, um, but it was one of the things that I was really kind of like shocked by when, when I was watching them. So yeah. uh, it, was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, that they, that's why they like they wanted to get him in so bad. They're like, all right, this this is going to be the future. Uh, so definitely, definitely excited to see how um, you know this group play, plays out as well. Hoping that. Okay, so I'm leaking my my hopes for uh, the other groups as well. I actually want Mad Lions to get out in number one, so that Cloud Nine getting out in number two behind Dom One, uh, we catch up early. Let's get it. EUNA. Well, well, we wouldn't. It, there's no playoffs. It, it, the yeah, second the right second stage round. is the oh stage. shit. Wait. Oh yeah, it's the other. It's the other. Uh, it's a, it's the second. It, I mean, it's yeah. essentially the second group, right? So uh, it doesn't actually matter. Um, yeah, like who, who gets out in the seating. I, I I'm not sure to be honest if your first set of groups impacts the playoff draw or not. Right. Like I'm not sure if like in the rumble phase think. that that affects it. Um, but I, either way. Uh, you know, I'm really, really excited for it. There will be some of the of the minor region teams coming through. You know, I favor PSG Talon as, as well as UOL. You know, those are the teams I think are, are going to get through, um, you know, alongside RNG and Mad Lions. Group C feels pretty clear cut to me. Dom 1 and Cloud 9, of course, could end up egg on our face if, if, uh, if someone chokes. But it feels like fairly cut and dry for, for me as far as predictions. Um, but of course, you never really know what's going to happen. And I do agree with Mark that like Group B feels like the most potential um, for upsets and, and things getting a little bit wacky, especially if Mad maybe has some nerves because of, of what happened to them at Worlds, right? Like we didn't really talk about that a lot. Um, and, and I think the team is better and also two members on the team change. So it's it's not like saying, oh yeah, they were bad at Worlds, so they're going to suck here. Uh, but they, they were the first EU team to ever get knocked out uh, in play-ins, right? You know, they didn't 
they didn't actually make it uh, even to the final best of five. They tied for last in their playing group. So like that was a catastrophically bad performance. And they're obviously looking to rebound here and rebuild that confidence. But we do know that sometimes it takes teams a little bit of time. Sometimes teams show up as, as rookies and they're great internationally. Just You just don't know until you're there, right? Like the nerves affect some people. They don't affect others. G2 had a couple of bad performances internationally before they started to dominate. My, my, my year is bad. My rise is worse. You know, like that G2 meme. vacation, right? Like yeah, G2 and eight. Yeah. So like the, the, it, sometimes it happens. Um, you know, I, I don't think it will with Matt here. Uh, I think they'll do well, but it remains to be seen. Right. And, and, and I think that things get a lot more crazy if some of these major region teams, like if Cloud9 has a bad tournament or Mad Lions has a bad tournament, all of a sudden things can, can be way more up in the air. All right, Honda MVP here. We are on to that. Who is the top player at MSI uh, that you would want on your team? So if you could pick any player to put on your team, uh, who who would you start with here? What am I competing in? Let's just say you're Cloud Nine, and you can put any player on your team. We'll do it like we'll do. It oh, from but the no, because then you get into like re- you have to replace. So then and choose your position, who you want to replace. Okay, okay, I was fine. gonna say that. I, like, you're drafting. You're drafting out of every player at MSI. Who's your first pick? Let's do that. You're gonna go, I know Mark. You, I'll, I'll, I'll go, and it might be controversial. I'll take Showmaker. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah. Might, might be super. Well, because I think a lot of people are gonna say Canyon. We were talking about this in the warm up. You know, like just when we were doing tech checks and stuff. Azale was like, everyone's picking Canyon. I'm a mid lane fanboy i believe mid lane real important i like good mid laner me pick mid laner really going for that controversy there having to choose between showmaker and canyon <laughs> i mean to your point though i was gonna choose canyon uh, see uh, <laughs> if i'm picking the less common i answer. was also gonna choose canyon and mark was also gonna choose canyon so to to our point but, we were all okay, gonna choose canyon but my, so I my, picked the my showmaker canyon is like you know this yeah. it's close i mean I, I feel you both I, I think canyon is the one that most people would go for but i also hear kobe when mark's like i'm gonna get a little bit controversial here don't call me crazy but there's this guy. I, you probably haven't heard of him. He's called Showmaker. He's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it feels like someone from Dom One, right? Th- those guys are absolute beasts. It, it feels like um, you know they're, they're they're the clear ones that you're looking at. But I, I just think Canyon's so hard to overlook. Like every time I talk to a jungler, they're just like gushing about how good Canyon is. Um, he seems insanely consistent. You were saying it yourself, I think, earlier, Mark, about how it just feels like he keeps getting better. And he's already the best, and that's pretty terrifying. And his Nidalee skin is hot. <laughs> that's a plus. You yeah, take that's those. a big plus. <laughs> <laughs> Are you got I'm any other answers for I'm us, Kobe? That one go. That's that's my, you, that's that's the that's the last Canyon? little bit of flavor. <laughs> All right, you're picking the guy with the hot Nidalee skin. All right, <laughs> on to the anchor question here. This one comes from Mark Pang. Hey guys. My name is Mark, and I'm a big fan of your podcast, so thanks for the work you put into it. I've been playing since Season 2, and since I've seen my fair share of international tournaments, I'm already preparing myself for the inevitable, we didn't read the meta correctly, excuse at MSI. My question is, how do teams prepare and read the meta? My first thought would be looking at solo queue win rates to see what champions have benefited from the patch changes, though it seems like teams take champions they like from last patch and try to fit them into the new patch, regardless of changes. I'd like to hear your thoughts and 
my friend here would like to say something, too. She says, Cat for Kobe. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> Let's go. Flip it. Flip it for Travis. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, do you think that was a real cat prompted, like a cat actor? Or was that you like got a sound phone. Like? That was a phone on. You know, that was well the... done, too. Because sometimes, uh, you know, if people are trying to have their cats, like, make noises on Discord or whatever, like, it's quiet for a long time. There was no pause. It was right on cue. Audible. Um, as far as building right or, or, or practicing for the meta, though, um, there's there's more things to take into account than just obviously you know looking at what uh, you know patch notes what got um, buffed and nerfed, um, and it's trying to fit it into the the strongest what you consider to be the strongest strategy for you know this the meta basically, um, but also for your team, um, you know if you have to consider your your individual players of course right if you're if you're running with a top laner that does not have uh, you know time on. Aurelia or Fiora, then and Aurelia, you know, gets just Omega buffed. You're putting that on the ban list, right? You're not putting that on. Uh, you're not picking it um, because that's you know those are the types of champions that you have to have recent playtime on, um, you know, to be able to execute at the highest level. Um, and a lot since since there are so many, you know, currently with with the neutral objectives uh, being quite powerful. Um, you have to always consider team fight with a little bit more weight than you have considered split push in the past. Um, and so these little things that, you know, year by year will also change and kind of um, incorporate how you're going to practice up for something like MSI. And this is going to be one of the biggest stories for MSI because we are jumping ahead multiple patches um, and uh, and hoping for some, for some decent yeah, shakeup at I think, least. I think... Uh... To answer the the question, you know, like, like your first thing at solo queue win rates, that's not, from my experience, what most pros do um, when a new patch comes out and they're preparing for things. They actually, like most pros have a running a list in their head of champions they like, champions they don't like, champions they think are good, but just like don't quite work in the meta. And then when the patch notes come out, you know, they'll see, oh, this got buffed. Maybe I can use it now. Something that was just under the surface or something that was like barely hanging on and the meta gets nerfed. And you're like, I don't, I don't want to play this anymore. Um, and... It's really not like, hey, let me look at the win rates. This went up from 52 to 54%. Maybe I'll start playing it. Like, it's, it's much more of a feel thing because solo queues are such a different environment anyways that like, hey, 40% rise, perma pick in, in uh, you know, uh, competitive play. These kinds of situations do happen. So in my experience, um, players will read the patch notes. They'll maybe start trying to play them a little bit more in solo queue. And then you know, when you start prepping in a team meeting and you're saying like, hey, you know, what do you guys think? What do we want to try and start practicing? You'll, you'll start building a list of things that you're less sure about or things that you want to retest because maybe it got hit a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe it doesn't play this matchup quite as well as it used to. And, and that's really the nitty gritty of reading the meta is like this champion that you kind of like that you think got hit out of the meta, maybe you don't practice it. And then, you know, stage games roll around, everyone's still picking and you're like, shit, we haven't scrimmed with this in weeks. And now like, do we ban it? Do we pick it away? What do we do? Um, and you get into a lot of those situations. And to Kobe's point, you're also trying to fit all of that in with like, what is my play style? What is my team's play style? What is the, the people in our group probably going to play? And you might even say like, okay, I'm scrimming Damwon today. I'm going to pick my best stuff because I just want to see how I match up with Damwon and like where our weaknesses are as a team. I'm not going to experiment with draft. And then you scrim a team that's worse than you and you go, okay, Give me the Aurelia top this game that we normally don't play. If you can't beat this guy in this matchup, then, like, I don't know if we want to play it on stage or, like, we don't maybe not invest much more time into it. You start getting into these things because you have limited practice time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is to do with scrims and the the group of teams that you're scrimming with as well, especially international. You know, Kobe mentioned like, all right, well, Cloud9's in Domo's group. Domo maybe isn't going to scrim you, right? And generally what happens is there there's different like kind of groupings of teams that end up scrimming consistently against each other. And you can sometimes tell which teams were scrimming based on those groupings of teams picking the same champions, right? Because that read comes from all those teams playing against each other and maybe that Aurelia comes out and it slams the game. So then the next game, the other guy's going to try it. It slams the game for him too, right? So maybe it's just those three, four, five teams that all played against each other that then have a super high priority on Aurelia. But in the other group, when it came out, it didn't work out well. And then once those, those styles start to clash on stage, that's where you have to be able to really make adjustments quick. And that's where I just think that the, the initial read on the meta is important, but flexibility is even more important because you're not going to get all your picks right. You're not going to have everything perfect, right? Even if you have a pretty solid read on the meta, the ability to ha have players who can just, uh, you know, to your point, maybe didn't see a certain pick come out, but to be able to pick it away because you have the confidence, you practice things in solo queue uh, is so huge. And there's so many examples of that. I mean, the one that always comes uh, first to mind is, you know, Aphromoo at MSI when they made finals on CLG, picking the Sona and whatnot, and then he gets interviewed about, it. oh, I never played it. Just looked good here, right? And there's lots <laughs> of examples of that where it's like the player practices things or they're confident that they can be able to pull it off. The situation feels good and they go for it, right? Cloud9, when they were last at Worlds and it was the Arden Sensor meta and everyone was like, no, Caitlyn's trash, it would never work. And then all of a sudden the LPL team start just bringing out Caitlyn and Jace and fast push. And while well, Cloud9 was the only NA team that was able to adapt to that, they didn't practice it all, but Sneaky just started playing it. And hey, guess what? That turned out to be, you know, the dominant strategy moving forward at the tournament was fast push and these teams go for scaling. They lose all their towers. They're too far behind for it to matter. So I think adaptability is, is equally as important, if not more important uh, than your initial read. All right, we got another question here. This one comes from Miles uh, Pedretti. And he says, as a caster slash commentator, how hyped do you get when you see one of your clips in a Moments and Memories video? Do you have any favorites? I think more... There's exactly one clip of me in Moments of Memory videos. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. <laughs> it gets a little old. <laughs> you don't get hyped? You don't start like... Yeah, so just dance along how with hype? Answer the question. I get negative heights. <laughs> I, I sink further into my couch. You get embarrassed? Okay, Mark gets embarrassed. I, get... I don't get embarrassed, but I'm just like, again, have I done nothing else noteworthy in my life? Nope, that's Isn't it. Isn't it? Isn't it kind of cool, at least seeing like uh, the the audience though? Because for me, I was gonna say nowadays I get even more hyped because you see like yourself in a giant crowd with like the other casters, and they're usually popping off too. And so the any of the like caster cam things or whatever just make me so nostalgic for like mm -hmm. stadium cast and having everybody there, and we're just like, oh yeah, I just, I, I love it, especially more in the last couple years. Yeah, I'm with Kobe. It's it's more about my like, it's less about the actual like things I'm saying and more about what I associate with that event, right? The crowd or like the things we did when we were there, the restaurants we went to, you know, the environment and stuff like that. That's what really gets me hyped uh, when, when I think about some of the events. But of course, it's always a compliment to be able to like have your stuff cut into a hype video. It's kind of like, ah, oh, the editor thought that call is good. That's pretty cool. Uh, so definitely, definitely a, a nice little nod when, when it does happen.
All right. Thanks. That'll wrap it up for, for us for now. Thanks again, Honda, for making this episode possible. And remember, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and sub to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash LCES. You can also send us your questions on Twitter, hashtag the dive LOL, or send us the voice messages on Anchor.fm. We appreciate everyone who does that every week. And our schedule is going to be shifting a bit with MSI. Our sleep schedules are different and the recording schedule is a little bit different. Uh, so look for our episodes on Wednesday, May 12th and Wednesday, the 19th. Our wrap-up episode will be back to the regular day. That will be the Monday after MSI on the 24th. And MSI kicks off with Cloud9 versus Dom1 on Thursday, May 6th, 6 a.m. PST. Kobe didn't believe you were going to get up for it. I believe you will, so I will see I'm you I'm going to be getting my, my Pfizer shot. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be up. 